Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. I always appreciate you giving me your time. Uh, want to jump right in. You know, the last podcast that I posted was uh, a very intense podcast, so I wanted to come back and be a little bit more calm, uh, reasonable, rational, and uh, address some more details. Uh, the The topic today is going to be what should the topic be? Like, basically, that's what it is, is what should the topic be? If we're talking about gender identity and we're, we're going about it uh, in, a, in our culture in a way that's unhealthy for children, then how do we change the conversation? How do we establish the right conversation so that there's space for people who struggle with their identity? Um, and specifically with their gender identity, uh, without doing it in a way that is harmful to so many children. Um, I, I hope that by the time you're done with this, uh, you you have some idea of of where where to take the conversation. That's the hope. So I'm going to step back to when I was uh, a kid, uh, and, and I want to explain something. There was the conversation that we had as children, oftentimes, um, I, I remember this vividly myself. Uh, maybe, you know, things like this are why I became a social science guy. Um, but we would say racist for just about anything. Anything that uh, it had an ideological perspective to it, right? So we would say racist when we meant sexist. We would say racist when we meant, um, you know, uh, perverted. Uh, we would say, like, we just, we used the word racist to cover lots of things that it's not. <laughs> racist is not the same as sexist, right? It's It's not the same as... Uh, pedophile. It is not the same. It, it just, it has its own meaning. And we distorted it because we were naive and we were foolish. I, I was naive and foolish and I didn't understand what it meant. Well, today, I think the same thing is happening with the concept of gender identity. It's being misused. At the end of the day, I put in, I just wanted to see what would happen. And so I did a Google search on gender identity. And the top 20 things or something like that that were there were either let's teach you what gender identity is or what it was primarily addressing was sexual orientation. Gender identity is not synonymous with sexual orientation. I promise you that I have sat with clients who have gender identity issues. They are right now wrestling with the idea that they feel different than their biology. And it is not about their sexual orientation. 
it's they're a girl, but they don't feel like a girl. They're a boy, but they don't feel like a boy. Okay. And so when we misuse it, we do not do justice to somebody who is truly struggling with an identity issue around their gender. So let's pause for a second. I just wanted to outline that and then go into, so what is gender identity? Gender identity is really not all that complicated. But I'm going to confuse you here because I think oftentimes gender identity is being said when we mean gender stereotypes. By the way, did a little uh, search on that one as well. People are much more informed on stereotypes, but it is not the same thing as gender identity. Okay. So what is gender identity and what is gender stereotype? I want to detail those out, but I want to do it in three different ways. One, psychologically. They all impact us psychologically. Stereotypes impact us psychologically. And identity, gender identity impacts us psychologically. They impact us sociologically, right? In our, in our schools, in, our, in our, our little systems that we live within, they affect us. And then the third one, which is culturally. And I'm going to go ahead and preface right now. Right now, that's primarily politically and through media. Okay? I'm going to outline it in those three ways. So let's start with uh, gender identity. What is it? It's a person's sense of their own gender. Okay, well, that seems pretty simple, right? I'm a boy. I feel like a boy. Therefore, my gender identity is I'm a boy. Okay. I, uh, if I were a girl and I felt like a boy, my gender identity is I'm a boy. That's my gender identity. Problem that we're having with this is a person can feel different than their biology. Yeah. Factual. That is a fact. A person can absolutely feel different than their biology. There's nobody because a feeling is a feeling. Whatever you feel, that's what you feel. It's not my place to judge it and critique it. So then what is my place? If somebody were to say that, it, since it's, I'm, I'm sociologically, I'm saying it's not my place to judge or feel, right? If, it's, if that's not my place, what is my place? It's my place to hear you. That's what my place is. It's my place to, to attempt to understand, empathize. It doesn't mean I'm going to get it, but empathy doesn't require complete understanding. Empathy is an attempt to see the world as if I'm in your position, your past, your present, your hopes and fears for tomorrow. It doesn't mean that I'm going to actually get all of it, but making that effort, it does matter. We get credit for that socially, okay? The other thing socially I wanted to highlight is it's, it is not your place to force me to agree with your feeling. 
nor is it my place to get you to agree with my feeling. My feelings are my feelings and your feelings are your feelings. That doesn't mean we can't have a discussion. That doesn't mean that we uh, have to, uh, you know, outline something in a way that forces everybody to understand it legally. We don't have to do that to create space to love one another. We just don't. We don't have to do it. And then culturally, gender identity when we're looking at culture. This is where it gets pretty heated. And this is what kind of got me frustrated. There's three things I want to point to that are problematic right now culturally and that we need to address. From a clinical standpoint, we just have to address them. One, we use this word assigned. Your gender as assigned at birth. Look, gender is not an assignment. Yes, it's a check mark on a birth certificate. I totally get that. And so for that reason, people are going to justify saying it's an assigned uh, gender. Gender is a biological definition. It's a biological definition. And therefore, it's not assigned. You were born a boy or a girl or both or whatever, biologically. You were born in a certain way and we cannot change that. That wasn't something that you decided. It wasn't something that I decided. But this whole concept of being assigned, it's problematic in our culture. It's as if somebody is doing it to me. It places somebody with a gender identity difference, somebody who thinks that they're a different gender than they biologically represent, it's telling them that they're a victim. That's not right. That, that is so disempowering to somebody who is confident in who they are. And we should not do that to them. It's unfair. It's absolutely unfair to make them the victim of their assignment. Like, that's just not okay. And I think that that is something that has been taken up politically and is causing major issues. Okay. The second one I want to address is sexual orientation. Gender identity is not about sexual orientation. Sexual orientation may be about gender identity, maybe, but it is not one and the same. I say it that way because we, we all know if you took math uh, at, at like what, fourth grade, fifth grade, a rectangle is not a square, is it? You know the answers to this. A rectangle, a square could be a rectangle, 100% but it doesn't go the other way. The same can be true. Sexual orientation may be part of a person's gender identity, but it is not the required part. Not at all. The feeling, the sense of their gender is the required part of gender identity. Okay, the next part. The word affirm. 
It is not my place to affirm your gender identity, nor is it your place to affirm my gender identity. That whole notion, again, leads me back to why I think there's confusion about gender stereotypes and gender identity, which I will get to in a minute. Okay. Affirming is a political thing. You need to be affirmed legally. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but there's more things in my life than being affirmed in a legal status. If, if I could not marry a woman, let's say legally I could not marry a woman, my wife is still my wife. Would it be nice if I can legally marry? Yeah, that would be nice. I would appreciate that. But I don't need the law to affirm my identity as a husband, as a father. I don't need the law to do that. I can do that just fine on my own. It is not our place to require affirmation. Affirmation is a love language. If we affirm somebody, it's because we love that person. If we force love, it's not love anymore. Love has to be a choice that we make. And so affirming, as in legally trying to mandate that we affirm, is taking away the love. We're, what we're doing is legalizing out the choice. And love always must be a choice. It cannot be mandated. It has to be an option. Okay. These concepts, these three concepts that I just went over, assigned sexual orientation and affirmation, they're not new, but the way that they're being spoken about is getting, it's just distorting the facts. So I want to sidestep for a moment and tell you some facts. The facts are there is no such thing as gender identity. We've created that. What we have in the mental health profession, at least, is gender dysphoria. Now, I could go into it and read all of the details. I could give you every single outline. Gender dysphoria in children, in adolescents and adults. Gender dysphoria um, as, it, as it pertains to uh, you know, family dynamics. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But at the end of the day, the number of people that struggle with gender dysphoria, historically, we've, we've kept this data for so long. No, obviously not long enough. And things in cultures can change. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not naive to the, the different uh, uh, you know, factors in play. Like how many people would have actually identified themselves as uh, gender dysphoric uh, in the past? Well, it was probably different when the culture didn't accept it. I agree with that. So these numbers are probably a little on the low side. That's probably a reality. It ranges 
from 0.005 to 0.014% in males and from 0.002 to 0.003% in females. Now, where you're wondering where I'm getting that data, I am literally getting that data directly from the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. And it's on page 454 if you're really looking for it. And the reason that I'm telling you that is because that percentage of people who have truly got gender identity issues, gender dysphoria, meaning they do question their biological makeup based on how they feel, okay? That's a very small percentage. Um, we are literally changing so many things socially, culturally, so many things in, in, in so many parts of our, our world because of that small percentage. Now, am I saying we shouldn't consider that small percentage? Of course we should. There should be plenty of space for them uh, to have respect. Just like there should be plenty of space for Asian Americans, African Americans, uh, Caucasian Americans, uh, Latino Americans to have respect. There should be space for men and women and trans. They should all have a place for respect. And if we change an entire system to cater to a very small percentage, unfortunately, that means we will be harming the vast majority of the people. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's reality. I want to transition for a moment into gender stereotypes because I think this is the majority of the argument. Having sat with people who have uh, wrestled with gender dysphoria, I can tell you the stereotypes are much more challenging than the, this, this other stuff that we're addressing. The gender stereotypes are going to be things like the early years. Let me, I'm just giving you some examples. Uh, you know, girls play with dolls and boys uh, play with trucks. It doesn't have to be that way. It's a stereotype. Well, let's start with this. What is a stereotype? It's a generalized view of attributes, characteristics, and roles. Which, by the way, is a natural thing for us to do. We naturally want to generalize these things. We do that because it allows us to be more socially and culturally efficient. So the fact that it's happening happening is, is a natural occurrence. Now, to the extent that we take it can cause unnatural symptomology. Clinically, that's true also, right? If we tell all girls that they are supposed to play with dolls, you're going to have a bunch of girls who feel like they don't fit in. That's not okay. We shouldn't do that. Not all girls play with dolls. Just like not all boys play with trucks. Just like not all girls are clean. They're not. And not all boys are dirty. They're not. 
Ask anybody. I remember about 15 years ago, this this whole movement went on. Uh, this um, uh, where 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 men boys uh, would get manicures, pedicures. They would they they would get their eyebrows plucked. It still happens. Is does that mean that they're not a man? They're not a boy. Of course, it doesn't mean that. It means that for them, they feel better about themselves when they do those things. Great. I don't care. Go do that. It's not harming anybody. By all means, be respectful. Make it happen. Attributes, characteristics, and roles. And then I was getting to some examples. And so I I apologize. I digressed for a moment. Um, (coughs) You're going to see real quickly how this is going to affect us psychologically, individually sociologically in groups and culturally you're going to see it i i'm not going to have to identify every single aspect of it like i did in the previous category with gender identity but in the early years girls and boys uh you know girls play with dolls boys play with trucks eh that's not nece- that's a stereotype but it's not true all right even if it's the majority it's still not all and we should be careful with stereotypes that's the truth Boys should not wear dresses or clothes typically associated with girls' clothing. In the early years, that's taught. You know, no, you don't want to wear your hair like that. You don't want to put on makeup. You know what, though? Who's it hurting? Does it hurt anybody? Look, if you choose to do that in your family, you you have the boys put on, you know, put on a dress and, and wear it around because they're curious what it's like. They want to be a princess. Okay. That doesn't mean that that boy is going to become a girl. That doesn't mean that that boy has gender dysphoria. It means that boy wanted to put on a dress, wanted to wear some makeup. And it's not my place to judge that family, that decision, if that's what they did. It could impact that child socially at school. It could. It could impact that kid socially in church. It could impact that kid socially when they take off the dress and they put on their soccer clothes and they go play soccer, but their peers know that they were wearing a dress. We can't be naive to the reality that the, the norms have lots of pressure. And should we pay attention to the norms? Absolutely, because that's what these stereotypes are. They are norms. They are not rights and wrongs. They are norms, okay? When, uh, when they get a little bit older, you know, girls are better at reading, boys are better at math. That was a stereotype. By the way, I think that stereotype is changing. I really do. I watch it. And I think sometimes it gets reaffirmed by some people, but I think it's changing. That was a pretty typical stereotype. I think it's less typical today. Girls should be well-behaved. Boys are expected to act out. Uh, I Again, I think that that's inaccurate. Uh, I think that there's a certain amount of uh, activity level that comes with 
uh, testosterone. So as boys do grow up, they, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have different hormone levels. And I think you're going to see them behave a little bit differently. And I think that's, of course, a generalization and a stereotype. But these generalizations and stereotypes don't all have to be negative. Okay? Think about what they mean psychologically, sociologically, culturally. You're smart. Figure it out. Okay. Um, in adulthood, uh, one of the things that often is created is, um, you know, the men are aggressive and women are passive. Men are big. Women are small. These are stereotypes. Uh, assertive women are not feminine or they're bossy. Um, you know, there's other words that are often associated there. But men who are assertive are, well, they're just being men. Uh, these, these stereotypes, we do need to challenge the stereotypes, in my opinion. I think the conversation is to challenge the stereotypes for sure. I think that's necessary because we're going to end up with really strong and assertive women and they should not be labeled something that they're not. They should be labeled strong and assertive, not bossy and mean. There's other words that they would throw in there. Okay. I don't want to go into too many more details on that. I do. I do want to leave you with this. Uh, the, I think the conversation truly is stereotypes more than the gender dysphoria, gender identity. I think if we're going to, as, as I, I said in the previous podcast, if we want to teach first grade or something, let's teach them that the stereotypes do not always mean always. That they are a generalization. And that if you don't fit in that criteria, you are okay. You are loved. You are acceptable how you are. You don't have to fit that stereotype to be fitting in. Okay, oh, let's, let's go into the next piece. So how do we change the conversation? I want to give you a couple of quick tools. One, get informed. Do the research. Look, I do research. Obviously, that's part of what I do for a living, but do the research, right? But don't just do, you know, one piece of research. Research the conversation from other angles. Try to find out what we're actually trying to say. That's how I came to the conclusion that I really believe more of the conversation is about gender stereotypes than gender identity. It's just, everybody is affected by stereotypes. Everybody. Not everybody is affected by gender identity and gender dysphoria. It's a pretty small percentage that are directly affected. And we should absolutely hold space, empathy, love for those people that are struggling with you know, feeling like they're different than their, their body, biological makeup. I'm no problem with holding space for them. But we can't make the whole conversation about them because that's not fair to them. It's just not. All right. So get informed. We have too many blind spots and getting informed 
gathering that information is really an important first step. Once you gather the information, process that information. Process that with people who have different viewpoints than you, who have similar viewpoints than you. You know, you, you want to process that information for the purpose of making up your own mind. Now I'm going to reference something. Uh, many of you, I don't know if you've ever, ever uh, seen this movie, but there's a movie called Tommy Boy. It's a, it's a comical uh, movie and I really enjoy it myself. In there, he says, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. I got spare time. The reason that I'm saying that is because you need to make up your own mind. Don't buy the box that's being offered to you because it says guaranteed. Find out if that product is any good. Because if I, if I take a dump in a box and, and mark it guaranteed and you go and you buy it because it says guaranteed, you could be buying a box of crap, literally right? What you want to do is after you've gathered that information, process it and make up your own mind. Is this a good product? Is this something that I believe? And why or why not? I should be able to defend it a little bit. I don't have to know every single detail to, to come to a conclusion that I, I defend it because of these things. It's like yesterday's uh, or the other day, depends on when you're listening to these. But the last podcast that I posted, I I was very clear that, um, you know, I, I, I was frustrated. And then what did I do? I went, okay, I got to gather more information. I'm not going to just buy the, the, the box that says guaranteed. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make up my own mind. I'm going to make my own decision and then I'm going to be able to defend it. The last one, I want to give you this, lean into that conversation. When I say meet with somebody who's different than you, like I really mean that. To be honest, I would feel way less comfortable having this, uh, uh, this particular podcast if I hadn't worked with many people who had gender dysphoria. I don't, I don't think that what I'm saying is going to be taken as disrespectful by people with gender identity stuff going on. I just don't. I've sat with too many of them to say, hey, look, there, there's space for you. I can, I can sit and love you. I can love who you are. I don't have to agree with your decision, your feeling, your identity to love you. I can totally disagree with you at times. When I have somebody who comes in and says, I'm anxious because I've got spiders at my house. Okay. I, I can sit there and go, well, that's, that's not necessarily a reasonable fear, but it is your fear. I can hold that space. I don't have to attack you because you have an unreasonable fear. I can still love you and choose to care about who you are in spite of this, this one part of who you are? Of course. I could not like it and still love you. So lean into that conversation. Find somebody different than you and really ask the questions. 
What is it like when we talk about gender identity? What is it like when we talk about gender stereotypes? And I think what you're going to find is more often than not, the gender stereotypes are, are the things that are harming individuals who have gender dysphoria. Those stereotypes, it's not being allowed to fall outside of the bubble. Well, then let's expand that bubble and say it's okay to not fall in the norm and still be totally acceptable. Some of the most loving people I know have things like bipolar, borderline, gender dysphoria, uh, schizophrenia. And yet they're just amazing people. We can hold space for that. Just because they're different than me doesn't mean I don't appreciate their struggle. I can appreciate their struggle and be different than them. And they can do the same in return. So to make them a victim like we have done, to say it's my place to affirm you that you were assigned a sex or a gender when you were born, like, eh, come on, people. Have the conversation about gender identity and gender stereotypes. Please do that. I, I, I can't make this strong enough request. Have the conversations because I think what we're going to find is the conversation is less about gender identity. You feel what you feel. And more about gender stereotypes. Those stereotypes are pinning me down. They are hurting me. Yeah, I believe that some of those stereotypes, some of them that I even read to you today, may be hurting people. And we need to address that. Just like in my last podcast, anything that's hurting children, we need to pay attention to. We want to we wanna create as safe a space as possible. Will it ever be perfect? No, absolutely not. Can we do better than we're doing? 100% yes. And it's up to you to do that. It's up to me to do that. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time like always. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.